You're listening to Way J, Grand Junction's OG Waylon Jordan, with on-demand content from Town Square Media's 99.9 KEKB in Grand Junction, Colorado. 99.9 KEKB, the Grand Valley's number one for new country. It's Waylon Jordan with on-demand content for Town Square Media in Grand Junction, Colorado. Today's guest, we have Jeff Dersham, a local physicist, instructor, astronomer, yeah. author. And we're going to discuss, first of all, your great career, but also upcoming events. A lot of things happening. Everything from, well, solar eclipse to comets and such for the year 2023. So, Jeff Dersham, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm the this is the guy that that gets books signed by George Takei, you know, the the Sulu of the original Star Trek and gets to hang out with Tanya Tucker and every time I see your Facebook page you're hanging out with some new new celebrity so I'm just happy to be included in that illustrious company. Well, I appreciate that, but I also have an autographed copy of your book. Your book which is called Planets to Pulse a Citizen's Guide to the Universe, and I definitely want to talk to you about your book here in just a few. First, I want to chat about you. Now, you're a Grand Junction native. Is that I'm, correct? Yeah, I'm a native. Uh, went to Tope Elementary and West Junior High, which is where I met you, and then graduated from Grand Junction High School and got my bachelor's degree in physics from then Mesa State College. Of course, now it's CMU. So, yep, I've I've been here for quite a while. And all that time, you were always an honor student. I remember that. You attended college with the NASA Space Grant Scholarships. Is that correct? Yeah, I was I was very fortunate to uh, be able to take part in a sounding rocket project my last two years at Mesa to study the uh, ozone layer, which was sponsored by NASA. So NASA paid us a little bit, and also uh, NASA scholarships almost paid, not quite, but almost paid for my last two years at uh, Mesa State College. So that was a thrill. And along the way, you're a member of the Power Subsystem Team of the Colorado student high altitude rocket payload. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me what that is? Well, as I said, it was it was a, a sounding rocket project to to study the the ozone. It was meant to be for uh, aerospace engineering students, but since Mesa did not have a bachelor's program in engineering at the time, uh, they gave it to to the physics students to do. So our job was to build uh, the power subsystem, which, like it sounds, uh, provided power to the instruments to measure whatever they needed to measure, and also what was called the squib system. So squibs are little explosive bolts that are on the nose cone of the rocket, and once it gets to a certain altitude, you send it a signal, and those bolts explode and it opens up the nose cone so that the instruments can start taking their data. So that was our uh, job during that 
project. Well, that is absolutely extraordinary. Now, in just a few, I want to talk about events again coming up, things we can watch for and that you're going to mm-hmm. guide us through because you teach and, and you host various events and such. But before we get to that, one more thing I want to ask you about, and that would be your book, Planets mm-hmm. to Pulsars, A Citizen's Guide to the Universe. I have an autographed copy. You gave me that years ago. Mm-hmm. First of all, I love the book. Let me tell well, you thank something. You. You, uh, you. I appreciate that. Well, you nailed it right on the head because... Physics books, I took physics mm-hmm. and such. I find that when it comes to astronomy and physics, books tend to fall one of two ways. Mm-hmm. They they are speaking to us as if we are MIT grad students, which right. I am, certainly am not. Right. Or they speak to us as if we're three-year-old Bunch imbeciles. Dummies, yeah. Right. You went... Uh- Okay, you spoke to us as adults. You offered us practical math and physics and, and theorems and equations to to explain your point, mm-hmm. but in a way that someone like myself who does not have a physics or astronomy background could follow and understand. Very, very well done. I thank oh, you for that. Thank, thank you so but much. But just so happens, I looked up your book. It's available at Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. It's at bookstores. You mm-hmm. have, I don't know if you even know this, do you know you have a five out of five star rating in the I, reviews? I did not know that. You you have five out of five wow. stars. Hey. So congratulations on that? that. So in other words, I think other people feel the same way I did, yeah. and they appreciate uh, what you did. So with Good. all that, we've explained your background. You obviously are extraordinarily <laughs> qualified to cover the topics we're about to discuss. It's a new year, January 2023. Mm-hmm. What is going to be happening in the skies over us? Uh, Well, uh, some of your listeners uh, may have seen on the internet recently discussion about a a comet. It's it's being called the the Green Comet. I don't know exactly why that's the case, but uh, it will possibly be naked eye visible, that is, without the use of binoculars or telescope, by February 1st. They're hoping. It it is so hard to predict uh, the brightness of comets. I, I can't tell you how many times I have seen different sources say, oh, this comet or that comet uh, will be naked eye visible. It will be the brightest of the, the 20th century and just turns out to be nothing. But they're hoping that this one will be naked eye visible by February 1st. That's the good news. The bad news is that it won't have much of a tail uh, to it. Uh, And we always like to see, or I always like to see, that nice, long, uh, bright, beautiful tail. Uh, But apparently they're saying this one won't won't have that. It'll be near Polaris, the North Star, uh, in the constellation of Camela Pardalis, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it'll be near uh, the North Star. So that's one thing to look for. There are a lot of things going on. Well, actually, if I may, one more piece of good news Mm -hmm. about this event coming up February 1st. I'm looking at the National Weather Service right now, at least in Grand Junction. Looks like we're going to have mostly clear skies, warm temperatures. So at the very least, we might get a good look at this upcoming comet. I apologize for interrupting. No, no, that's great. You were going to say. Saturn and and, and Jupiter uh, will both reach uh, opposition this year. And that's just a, a technical way of saying that those planets will be exactly 
opposite uh, from the sun, from Earth's point of view. So Saturn and Jupiter will be uh, on the opposite end uh, of, of the sun as seen from Earth. And that means uh, two things, basically, uh, always during opposition, uh, a planet is the closest to Earth that it will be. Uh, and it is also visible all evening. The planet rises at about the same time that the sun sets, and it will be visible all evening long. Uh, and the thing about now, the Saturn opposition in particular is that if you want to get a good look at the rings of Saturn, you better do it now because the tilt of the rings varies from about 27 and a half degrees with respect to our line of sight from Earth to pretty much edge on. And when, it's, when the rings are edge on, it's pretty difficult to see, as you could imagine. Uh, every 13 to 16 years, the rings are edge-on, and the next time that the rings will be edge-on is 2025, which is coming up fairly shortly. So again, uh, if you want to see the rings or get a good view of the rings of Saturn, uh, you, you better get out and, and look at it now. Right now, uh, it's near Venus in the western sky during opposition uh, from what I can tell uh, again in August of this it will be in the southeastern sky. Jupiter last year was from what I understand the closest uh, that it has been in the last 35 years but it also reaches opposition uh, November 3rd in the northeast sky in the constellation of Aries. The big thing that I am looking forward to in 2023 is the annular solar eclipse uh, in October. So there are basically three types of solar eclipse. There uh, are partial solar eclipses, which is pretty self-explanatory. That's where just a part of the sun is blocked by the moon. Uh, there are total solar eclipses, where the moon entirely uh, blocks the sun. And then this type, the, the annular type, uh, is where uh, the moon is, is far enough away from Earth, uh, it isn't quite big enough to completely block out the sun. So you end up with a little ring of the solar surface or an annulus, that's where it gets its name, uh, annular eclipse. You get a little tiny ring of the solar surface uh, visible around the edge of the moon. And this one will be, uh, from what I understand, the last either annular or total solar eclipse uh, visible from the United States until the year 2043. 
that one will be a total solar eclipse, and the neat one about the neat thing about that one uh, will be if you are around in 2043, you will be able to see the total phase of the eclipse from Grand Junction. You won't have to go anywhere to see that one. But this one, the annular part of the eclipse, will be uh, visible uh, from a good portion of the United States, including uh, quite a bit of New Mexico shiprock, Farmington, New Mexico, which is where uh, I'm hoping to go see it. Uh, It'll be early in the morning, uh, about 9 a.m., give or take, and the annular phase, that phase where you're able to see the ring of the solar surface uh, around the moon will last about four minutes, which is a pretty, pretty good length of time for a total or an annular solar eclipse. So that's what I'm really looking forward to the most this year. So when it comes to this annular eclipse, a very good friend of yours, I'm going to say your mentor, an instructor of mine, Dr. Gordon Gilbert. I remember he attended, he, he, was, he was able to find a field somewhere during a similar eclipse back in his, in his youth, the solar mm, eclipse. Mm, mm-hmm. And his, I'm going to quote him right now. Mm. He said he heard angels sing. What do you think wow. he was referring to? Oh gosh, I I have no idea. Although having witnessed the the total solar eclipse of I believe it was 2017 from Oregon, it, it's probably about as close as I will ever come to a, a spiritual type of experience uh, because they're just so rare. If you don't travel, you're lucky to see at least one solar or one annular eclipse during your lifetime. And I've seen all three types. I've seen partial, I've seen annular, I've seen total. So I, I feel very lucky in in that respect. But when you went to Oregon, was it solely for the purpose of the eclipse? Yes, it was. When it comes to all these fascinating events, do you have an organization or do you have a way to, to get people together to see these and have you kind of talk them through it? The, there is still an astronomy club in town, the Western Colorado Astronomy Club, and probably the best way to find out what they're doing is to go to their website, which I believe is still WCAC astronomy.org they, they've been meeting uh, at the Mesa County Public Libraries for probably the last couple of years I went last March and gave a, a presentation to them about the uh, twin LIGO gravitational wave observatories uh, and I haven't been I'm sad to say I haven't been back since but they're really good about you know uh, bringing uh, newcomers in into the uh, astronomy hobby and they try to have several public viewing sessions during the year uh, the people are are welcome to come through and it's a good way to look through the different types of telescopes uh, if you're looking to buy a telescope and see which type of telescope might be right for you and and just uh, get out and and see what's out there. 
Okay, and I feel I kind of interrupted you right in midstream. Are there more events coming up you want to mention? You know, you you just have to, you know, keep your eyes open. There, there's always unexpected things coming up. You never know when they might discover a new comet. Uh, they, they come through all the time. Uh, one thing I probably should mention just as a disclaimer uh, regarding the solar eclipse, whenever uh, you view a solar eclipse, eclipse, you want to obviously make sure uh, to not look directly at the sun. Uh, The safest, the safest way to view a solar eclipse is uh, by projecting the image of the sun either through a pinhole camera so you can take a piece of cardboard and just make a little pinhole in it and project the image of the sun on another piece of cardboard. Or if you want to use a telescope, you can project the image of the telescope onto a piece of paper or a piece of cardboard. If you want to look directly through the telescope, you must have the correct type of solar filter. And it's it's not just the brightness that we're worried about. It's the other types of radiation. It's the ultraviolet. It's the x-rays, uh, all of that harmful stuff. And the proper type of solar filter is one that fits directly over the front of the telescope and filters out all of that harmful stuff before it gets to the eyepiece. Other than that, uh, the IS, the International Space Station, the ISS, uh, is always kind of a neat thing uh, to look for. Uh, it passes over different parts of the, the country uh, at different times, but there is also a website uh, that you can go to that will tell you when the International Space Station is going to be passing over your particular part of the country and it is spot the station all one word dot nasa dot gov and generally what they have you do is put in your zip code maybe or your your latitude and longitude and it will tell you when the ISS will be visible from your particular part uh, of the country or the world and how long it will uh, be visible uh, and starting at what time. Uh, I've seen it two or three times. It is, you can't mistake it. It's the brightest thing, the brightest thing in the sky at any given time, and it moves. (laughs) It can go from horizon to horizon through through the zenith which is the point directly overhead in about nine minutes it's it's booking and i actually got to see it also once when the shuttle was still in operation so you had a big bright light that was the iss and then a little ways behind it another little dimmer light that was the space shuttle and Mm. that was cool also we are speaking with jeff dersham a local author physicist uh, astronomer instructor lecturer also the author of planets to pulsars a citizen's guide to the universe a book i highly recommend you pick up it is available at amazon.com with a perfect five out of five star rating which brings me to my next question what's the next book and when are we going to see it 
you know, I the one the book I wrote is getting a little long in the tooth. The the informa- it was published in 2011. Most of the information in there is still really good information, but for instance, uh, I wrote it before uh, New Horizons had reached Pluto, for one thing. And boy, what what a discovery and a surprise that was. You know, a lot of people, I, I think, uh, even scientists thought, you know, Pluto, about three billion miles away, going to be boring and dull. <laughs> why, why do we bother to send a space probe all the way out there? And man, it was just so exciting to see those images come in from New Horizons. The variety of colors, light and dark on the surface of Pluto, and mountains, and all sorts of actually changing. At, again, at that distance, you, you probably would not expect or would not have expected uh, that much would be, uh, you know, changing. You would expect it of uh, to have been kind of a, a static world, but they found all sorts of evidence of change going on. So I keep thinking that I should do like a revised edition <laughs> of the book, but I just have not gotten around to it yet and don't know if I ever will, <laughs> truthfully. <laughs> Okay, so on that note, this conversation is taking place. This is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Buzz Aldrin just got married again. Oh, really? For the fourth time. Oh. <laughs> Not that that matters. My point. So he's he's still living his life and mm-hmm. getting married. Mm-hmm. That age of the of the space age is still very much present. Oh, yeah. The lunar lander and... And those that were part of it, they're still very much a part of our world. Now, you weren't even born yet. I wouldn't be for another two years or so. Yeah, yeah. So the world has changed. You're talking about Pluto. Mm -hmm. People uh, are surveying Pluto. Meanwhile, Buzz Aldrin is still very much Mm -hmm. doing his thing. So with that in mind, I'm asking you, it's a huge question. But if that can happen in our lifetime, what's next? What's the next 50 years? Because I'm 52, you're 51. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's what's in store for the next 51? Oh, my goodness. Uh, You know, all all sorts of people have have made all sorts of predictions, and and most of them don't come out to be true. But it it is a very exciting time to be, uh, you know, even an amateur astronomer or an astronomy enthusiast, uh, much less uh, an astronomer or an astrophysicist. My goodness. We saw just last year, uh, 2022, the launch, finally, of the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, Can I amplify that, please? Uh, Why the finally? Oh, it it had been scheduled for launch, if I remember correctly, like seven or eight years ago, and they just kept 
having problems with it and and kept delaying the the launch and putting it off and and finally we got to see the launch of James Webb and we got uh, Artemis 1 the launch of Artemis 1 uh, which hopefully will eventually carry men mankind uh, men and women back to the the moon and hopefully to Mars uh, I I think I I posted on my Facebook page, maybe you saw it, that uh, my favorite author, uh, Mark Twain, was born in the year when Halley's Comet came around, and he said that uh, he would like nothing better than to go out in the year when it came around again, uh, and by golly, he did. So I was born a little like a year or so before the final uh, Apollo moon landing, Apollo 17. In fact, I remember uh, some old uh, home movies uh, that my parents took of me as as a little toddler standing in front of the television uh, screen as the Apollo 17 moon landing was taking place. And I just think, you know, I, I would really like to live at least long enough to see, again, mankind, man, and go back to Mars. Oh, that would be so cool. And I think it's possible. I, I think you, you and I, uh, you know, hopefully if nothing happens to us, uh, may be able to see uh, people set foot on Mars, and that would be great. We are speaking with Jeff Dersham, author of the book Planets to Pulsars, A Citizen's Guide to the Universe. Are you teaching anywhere actively right now? Uh, I continue to teach classes through the, the Western Colorado Community College through their uh, community education program. So I've got uh, one that is based on the book. In fact, it's got the same title, Citizen's Guide to the Universe, which is just a brief history uh, of, of the science of astronomy with as little math as I can throw in there because I realize that math uh, intimidates some people that will be starting uh, February 14th from uh, 6.30 to 8 p.m., I believe, is when the class runs. And then the other class that I teach through Western Colorado Community College uh, is more of a hobby class uh, for people looking uh, to get into astronomy as a hobby, uh, maybe buy their first telescope or their first pair of binoculars. Uh, and that class is called Stargazing 101, and it will start April 4th uh, if I get enough students. Same time, 6.30 to 8 in the evening. Uh, you can go to sign up. You can go down to the WCC campus on Blickman Avenue, or you can call them at 255-2800, or you can go to coloradomesa.edu slash CEC uh, and click on the register online button. 
to register that way as well. I highly recommend you take those classes. I also recommend you check out the book, A Citizen's Guide to the Universe. We are speaking with Jeff Dersham. I appreciate you coming in today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I think uh, some folks might just have to join you on some of those getaways to see some of these events. Hope so. Please do. Hey, this is Waylon Jordan. I appreciate you joining me today doing a live podcast. This is on-demand content with Town Square Media of Grand Junction, Colorado. Again, this is Waylon. Thank you very much. Thank you.